My interest is mainly in neurology, behavioral neurology, but towards the end of the lecture I'll also talk about autism and its potential relevance to evolution. These are various collaborators involved in this research. Lindsay Obermann, who's now a postdoc at Harvard, Eric Altshuler, Professor Pineda, who's here at UCSD, and he's, I just see, see him in the audience a few minutes ago. And various grad students, and some of you may have guessed this slide was supplied to me by Eric Altshuler. So I'd like to, uh, just an overview of the entire lecture, talk, briefly define the mirror neuron system, and then I'm going to make some predictions about what you might expect to find in clinical neurology, in neurological patients, and then go on to talk about its potential role, potential role in the mirror neuron system in explaining some of the symptoms of uh, ASD, autism, and then, if time permits, potential implications for human evolution. So first, what's the mirror neuron system? Well, this is discovered, as you all know, by Giacomo Rizzolatti and his colleagues in the ventral premotor cortex. Uh, these are cells in the brain. Ordinarily, what we, we have cells that are discovered by Vernon Mountcastle and his colleagues, which are called motor command neurons. A cell will fire when a monkey reaches out and grabs a peanut. A specific cell will fire. Another cell might fire when a monkey puts something in its mouth. Another cell for pulling a lever. Another cell for pushing something. These are regular garden variety uh, motor command neurons. They're orchestrating the sequence of muscle twitches required for performing that semi-skilled action. Now, however, what Giacomo found was that a certain proportion of these cells, more, almost 15 to 20 percent, will fire not only when the monkey reaches out, or a human for that matter, reaches out and grabs a peanut, but when the monkey watches another Ajit reaching out and grabbing a peanut. So they've been called monkey-see-monkey-do neurons or mirror neurons. Okay? <laughs> so this is, this is astonishing when I first heard about it. Uh, indeed, when anybody heard about it, uh, because it implies that this neuron is doing a form of mind reading, so to speak. So it's as though whatever is looking at the output of this, of this neuron is saying, the same neuron is firing as would fire if you reach and grab the peanut. Therefore, Ajit is intending to reach and grab the peanut. So it's, it's doing an internal simulation, virtual reality simulation, of Ajit's intentions. So you can think of it, crudely speaking, as a mind reading neuron. Just as there are also sensory meta neurons and pain meta neurons, you can call them that, in the anterior cingulate, you respond to pain, of your own, to your own pain, but also watching somebody else in pain. There are somatosensory mirror neurons in S2. There are cells normally which respond to, if I touch you, a single cell in S1, a group of cells in S2 will fire if I apply deep pressure. Similarly, if I touch you somewhere else, another cell will fire, depending on where I touch you. So there's a map of the body surface on the surface of the brain in S1 and S2. Now that's been known for a long time, they're just called sensory neurons. But a subset of the neuron, almost 10%, will fire when you touch, when, when I watch you, when I watch a jeet or somebody else being touched in the same part of the body. So again, you could regard them as empathy neurons, so to speak. So whatever is reading the signal from this neuron upstairs is saying, something's happening to a jeet as would happen if somebody were to touch you. So empathize with a jeet being touched, okay, or stroked or whatever. But it struck me that, this is about seven or eight years ago, uh, that... In that case, why don't you get confused? If somebody were to touch a jeet, same neuron is firing as somebody were to touch me, the same mirror neuron. Why don't I experience the quality of the touch? Somebody touches a jeet. I just watch him. I kind of have a sense that he's being touched, but I don't literally feel, my mind doesn't dissolve into Ajit's mind. I don't literally feel the touch sensations in my, in my mind. So, of course, one, one, one reason for this might be that the skin surface in my own body has receptors, touch receptors, which are pressure receptors, which are informing my S2, saying, don't worry, you're not being touched. Ajit is being touched. Or, don't worry, Ajit is being poked with a needle. 
You're not being poked with a needle. When he's being poked with a needle, I don't say, ouch, and draw my hand. It'd be a stupid thing to do. Right? <laughs> so, so the mirror neurons are being informed that by all means empathize with Ajit, with his pain, but don't literally feel it. Now this is an interesting hypothesis. How do you test it? So what we did was do a very simple experiment. Look at amputees. Take a person whose arm is amputated. He has a phantom limb. You can feel the, vividly the presence of the phantom limb. If I have the phantom limb, and I watch Ajit being stroked or touched on his intact arm, prediction is I should feel that in my phantom. The astonishing thing is phantom limbs were discovered hundreds of, hundred, over 100 years ago, 150 years ago by Silas Weir Mitchell. Not discovered, but described. So, and nobody had observed this or, or raised, raised a question, probably because people didn't know about mirror neurons at that time. So we did this experiment on two subjects to start with. The results were absolutely clear. So I imagine I'm the subject, my left arm is amputated, I have a phantom, and then, of course I can't touch my own phantom, but I watch Ajit being touched in the corresponding hand. In the other hand, do as, do as it turns out, but less well, but in the corresponding hand, if he's touched and stroked, I feel the touch literally stroking and touching in my hand. I remember the first time I did this experiment, I also poked Ajit on his hand, not Ajit, whoever the subject was at that time, poked him on the hand, and this chap withdrew his phantom saying, ouch, Right? So this supports the hypothesis that mirror neurons are being inhibited by a constant influx of sensory input. Now even more interesting, this is a direct prediction from the research on mirror neurons, even more on human patients. Even more interesting is, when I went home, this chap phoned me up and he said, look uh, Ramachandran, I, I noticed something very interesting. I've been having all these aching pains in my phantom, thumb and phantom index finger, I couldn't do anything about. Right? It's excruciating. But now I simply ask my wife to massage her index finger, her thumb, as I watch, and I feel the phantom massage relieving my phantom pain. Now this sounded astonishing, a phantom massage, but one of the things you learn in, in neurology and medicine is pay careful attention to what the patient is saying. They're, they're usually often not making it up. So we've since then confirmed this on other patients, but we need large-scale systematic clinical trials to establish that it's true. But I'm convinced it's true. So at the very least, mirror neurons have inspired a clinical treatment for some types of phantom pain in some patients. It's a phantom massage. Now, some of you may be aware of our earlier work with mirrors and phantom pain, which is not inspired by mirror neurons, but I'm sure they involve the mirror neuron system. So you have a patient who has lost his left arm, say in a car accident, has a vivid phantom left arm, clenched in a fist, excruciatingly painful, or occupying an awkward position, sometimes a hand hyperextending to an anatomically impossible position, excruciatingly painful. How do you relieve this pain? Well, there's a long story behind it, but just to cut, cut the story short, given our time limits, you simply put a cardboard box with a mirror down in the middle, the patient then puts the normal hand, so that's a phantom, he places his phantom, so to speak, behind the mirror, to on the left side of the mirror, puts a normal hand on the right side of the mirror, and looks at the reflection of the normal hand, and asked to mimic the posture of the phantom with the normal hand, say clenched. So it looks like you resurrected his phantom, and the phantom has come back and looks clenched. And he chuckles and he says, that's funny, you know, of course he's not delusional, he knows it's not come back, but he finds it amusing nonetheless. Then I say, I want you to now send commands to both hands to open or clench, or do mirror symmetric movements like conducting an orchestra, waving goodbye, while looking inside the mirror. Because what he's going to get is visual feedback for the first time, in 10 years or 5 years since he's had this phantom, the phantom is obeying his command. He's getting visual feedback that the phantom is opening his fist, closing his fist. And of course that's what he sees. He sees the phantom opening its fist, closing its fist, obeying his command, 
moving to and fro and so on and so forth. But the astonishing thing is, instead, in addition to seeing it open and close, he feels it opening and close as well. And this, in many cases, relieves the phantom pain instantly. And with repeated practice, the phantom pain seems to go away for good. There have been controlled clinical trials on this by Tsao and his collaborators, and this came out in New England Journal of Medicine about a year ago. But our initial studies were based on just two or three patients. In fact, the original study on phantoms with mirrors is based on a single patient. But I'm not worried about this. Sometimes uh, I have one or two colleagues who get riled up when you, show, when you present results from a single patient, saying, well, that's just one, an N of one. And my sort of standard response to this is, if I bring a pig to the audience here, and I say, this pig can talk, and you say, yes, really? And I wave my wand and it starts talking. Well, how would you react? You wouldn't say, that's just one pig, show me another one. I might add that majority of great discoveries in neurology, major aphasias, neglect, anosognosia, uh, HM, damage to the hippocampus, were all discovered initially on single patients and, of course, then subsequently confirmed on additional patients. Okay, uh, I wanted to tell you about another curious disorder called RSD, uh, among the purported functions of mirror neurons are action simulation, as I said in the beginning of my talk, and of course theory of mind, and almost certainly involved in imitation, because imitation of a skill requires you to adopt the vantage point of the other person performing the skill who you're imitating. Maybe pretend play, which Simon here talked about earlier. Empathy for touch, pain, and emotion, and possibly language, although that's controversial. So I'm going to talk about all of these. Well, not talk about them, just mention them. When Giacomo Rizzolari was giving his talk on mirror neurons about 10 years ago, Eric Altshuler, a postdoc of mine, and I were sitting in the audience, and we nearly jumped off our seats saying, my God, this is, a, this is a perfect, almost perfect match between what you see here and the symptoms you see in children with uh, autistic traits. So we said, well, this is almost too good to be true because it's such a precise match, and there's no other neurological syndrome where you see such combination of traits. Um, now, I want to emphasize here that arguing that mirror neuron system is involved in some of these symptoms is not to, um, not to imply that there are no other etiologies for autistic signs and symptoms. Uh, in fact, you heard some from possibilities from Cruchet and you heard some from Simon Baron-Cohen. So the idea that mirror neuron system might be involved complements these other theories. It doesn't necessarily contradict them. So based on the striking similarities, we suggested that maybe there's an alteration in, 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 the, in the mirror neuron system in ASD, in some autistic children. Not necessarily permanent deficits, because let's take a look at the evidence for this theory. And it turns out, by the way, we were not the first to propose these deficits. In fact, Giacomo himself had hinted at the possibility, and others have. But I think we were the first to provide experimental evidence. We, meaning Eric Altschuler, postdoc in my lab, working in Dr. Pineda, Pineda's lab. Uh, looked at new wave suppression, EEG, a component of EEG, human EEG, which is seen when a person performs an action. There's new wave suppression when I perform an action like grabbing something or pulling something. And intriguingly, I, the same suppression of new wave occurs when I watch you performing an action. In autistic children, what we found was the new wave suppression occurs when the child moves and performs an action, but not when the child watches somebody else performing the action, suggesting to us very strongly that we are on the right track in postulating a change in the mirror neuron system. And since then, there's been some several lines of evidence. I'm showing all the papers which support using fMR and mu wave suppression. There are about a, less than a, slightly less than a dozen studies showing that mirror neuron system is compromised, maybe temporarily, 
in ASD. And there are two studies which claim that they're not. Now, there's problems with brain imaging studies inherent to, as emphasized by my colleague Hal Pashler and others, so you have to be careful in assessing this evidence, but I think it's fair to say the evidence for the mirror neuron theory of autism is uh, compelling but not conclusive. Maybe I should say suggestive but not conclusive. Okay? But even so, I want to point out that it's now inspired treatments, uh, alleviation of some of the some symptoms in children with autism, uh, especially a study by Casanova which came out in 2010, and more recently my former postdoc, Lindsay Oberman, has been pursuing this at Harvard, using TMS, the mirror neuron system, transcranial magnetic stimulation, showing some relief of symptoms of autism. So there's three studies, in fact, Enticott in Australia, Casanova, I don't know where he is, his group, and then Lindsay Oberman at Harvard, showing that you can reverse so many of the symptoms of autism. So at the very least, the mirror neuron theory has inspired new treatments, even if the, even if the theory turns out to be wrong, okay? Inspired new treatments and treatment of options. Now, Pineda and his collaborators, including Datko, a graduate student, have started using biofeedback to enhance mu wave suppression in these. So I want to go back, backtrack. This is something we're currently excited about. I told you about treating phantom pain with mirrors, which is astonishing enough. But it turns out there's another extraordinary syndrome called RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, or complex regional pain syndrome type 1 and type 2, which is medical jargon, meaning we don't know what it is. <laughs> okay? But we don't know what causes it anyway. But it's very simple, conceptually. You have a tiny little injury, often a trivial, relatively trivial injury, like a fracture, hairline fracture in a metacarpal bone. This causes inflammation, swelling, redness, pain, and temporary reflex immobilization to avoid further pain. And then this lasts for a few weeks, and then the changes get reversed. The bone heals, the fracture heals, the inflammation subsides, the swelling subsides, the redness subsides, the temperature subsides. We are restored to normal, and all the changes are reversed, and you're healed, your finger is healed. That's what normally happens. But in a certain proportion, as many as 2 or 3%, this does not happen. The finger is permanently immobilized, permanently inflamed, permanently painful, and that's bad enough. But the whole hand becomes painful, inflamed, swollen. The entire arm becomes painful, swollen, inflamed, and immobilized and paralyzed, for starting this trivial injury. And there's very few people know about this disorder, but it's, it's, it's a very, very sad state of affairs, because the patient's often stuck with it for life and is severely disabled by the pain and the paralysis. So again, to cut a long story short, we suggested that maybe there's something like learned pain going on, and that is every time the patient tried to move his hand, you get visual feedback saying it's not, that it's excruciatingly painful. Move, pain, move, pain. So a heavy link is established between the very attempt to move and the excruciating pain. This leads to a permanent paralysis, pseudo-paralysis of the hand. The patient gives up trying. So we thought we could trick the brain by putting a mirror there, having him send commands to both hands, but not actually move the painful hand, but maybe a slightly attempt to move it. But he's going to get visual feedback saying, wow, it's moving again with impunity. The painful, immobilized, paralyzed hand is obeying my command and moving with impunity. This is kind of a long shot, very sort of uh, speculative idea. But it was tried in a systematic manner by Pat Wall, and, uh, who's a world, world's preeminent expert on pain, and placebo, as it turns out. He, he, he died not long ago, and uh, uh, blocking the name. Candy McCabe and others in, in um, Bath. They tried this experiment on nine patients, and since then it's been repeated on 50 patients by another group. And all patients of the 50 patients, the control group of 20 patients, all 20 patients, showed a reduction of pain 
virtually instantly using the mirror. Remember, remember they've had it for months, this pain. They've tried all kinds of medical procedures and drugs. Pain drops from a, on a scale of 1 to 10 from 8, excruciating pain, down to 1 or 2, bearable pain or no pain at all, very little pain. And, all pain, and this is very, as good as it gets in clinical trials. If you compare it with something like Prozac, for example. Right? So you get a tremendous reduction in pain in all the subjects. And the pain reduction lasts for, after two weeks of treatment, lasts for at least six months. Now, how the mirror neuron system is involved in here is, I, don't, I won't go into, but obviously it must be involved. Thank you.